0: CHAPTER THREE OF UNDER BOY SCOUT COLORS BY JOSEPH BUSHNELL AMES THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN CHAPTER THREE THE SILVER LINING SAY, FELLOWS, DID YOU HEAR ABOUT JIMMY WARREN'S KID BROTHER? eagerly inquired Cork Parker, skipping up to a group gathered about the school steps next morning. FROM FORCE OF HABIT "'Expectant grins wreathed several faces. "'Huh?' grunted Bob Gibson, suspiciously. "'What's the joke?' "'Joke?' repeated the latest comer indignantly. "'There isn't any joke. "'What gave you that idea?' "'It came pretty near being serious, I can tell you. "'One of the electric feed wires got loose in the storm yesterday "'and hung down in front of Jimmy's house on Pine Street.' Before anybody else saw it, that crazy kid Georgie had to go out and grab hold of it with both hands. He paused an instant for breath, and a concerted exclamation went up from the crowd that had gathered swiftly about him. Gee! exclaimed stout Harry Vedder. And the current is still on, I suppose? Of course it was. Dad told me how many volts. I forget. Anyhow. Georgie got hold and couldn't let go. They said he yelled to beat the band and then went clean out. A crowd got around right away, but nobody seemed to know what to do. One man ran in and started phoning for him to turn off the current, and while he was gone, what do you think happened? A kid with a bunch of papers came along and jumped right in and grabbed hold of Georgie to pull him off the wire. They said that when the current hit him, it was like being kicked by a horse. He went clean across the street and banged his head an awful whack on the curb. He got up sort of groggy, but he must have been a game one, for he came right back, wrapped some newspapers round his hands, and had Georgie loose in a jiffy. Great! came in an appreciative chorus. Then one of the third-grade boys piped up curiously but what good was the newspaper insulation of course spoke up sherman ward from the outskirts of the group he was tall enough to look over the heads of most of the fellows and spoke with a certain authority if he hadn't used them he'd have got the shock as he did the first time that's some idea though fellows i don't believe i'd have remembered right off the bat that paper was a non-conductor who was he, Court? Nobody knows. That's the funny part of it. Court thrust back a dangling lock of brown hair with a characteristic gesture. It was pretty near dark, and everybody was excited, and all that. Mrs. Warren told Dad when he was over this morning. She said she only noticed that he wasn't so very tall and carried his papers in a bag over one shoulder. She forgot all about him till after they'd got the kid into the house and the doctor had come. Then, when she sent somebody out to see, the chap had gone. At once, the throng of boys was plunged into a fever of interested speculation. The idea of an unknown appearing suddenly out of the darkness, doing his spectacular stunt and slipping away again, without revealing himself, Appealed tremendously to the imagination. The fact that he was a boy and quite possibly one of themselves vastly increased the interest. One after another, the various fellows with paper routes were suggested, but for the most part as quickly dismissed. One was too tall, another delivered in a different part of town, two more were part of the present assemblage and reluctantly denied any connection with the affair. Maybe it was that fellow Tompkins, doubtfully suggested Bob Gibson, when most of the other possibilities had been exhausted. He goes past Pine Street, doesn't he? A sudden low laugh, touched with scorn from the outskirts of the circle, turned all eyes to where Ranny Phelps leaned against the iron railing. "'You're quite a joker, aren't you, Bob?' commented the blonde chap with a flash of his white teeth. Gibson sniffed. "'I don't see anything so awful funny in that,' he retorted. "'He does go past Pine Street about every night. I've seen him often.' "'Quite possibly,' agreed Phelps, suavely. "'I never said he didn't, you old grumbler. He probably went past last night.' but take my word for it, he didn't turn in. You don't suppose that thick head would have the gumption to do what this chap did? Or the wit to know about paper being a non-conductor and all that? Not in a thousand years. Bob's mouth set stubbornly. He was one who never lost a chance to argue. I don't see it at all, he retorted. Just because you say so, doesn't make him thick. I noticed you picking on him last night. and I tell you right now that anybody might seem... He didn't seem brainless. He was, interrupted Phelps, with cool, scornful certainty. A fellow who could manage to fall over his feet as many times as he did in that simple little drill, and make as many breaks... At the farther edge of the wide circle, the face of Tompkins himself had loomed all at once into his surprised consciousness, and something in the boy's level, unsmiling, somber glance brought a twinge of shame to Ramney's heart. For an instant, he stood silent, striving to resume his usual cool nonchalance. Then he turned away with a shrug. But after all. He drawled, "It's hardly worth while arguing about. Who's got that seventh problem in geom? It's a stickler, all right." It was well enough done to deceive most of the fellows about him, particularly since the sound of the last bell started the crowd up the steps and into the school building. But Court Parker had noted the direction of Ranny's glance, and a gleam of indignation flashed into his eyes for a moment he stood biting his lips then his face cleared and he pounced on tompkins well were you tommy he demanded airily was i what countered the other briefly the hero the chap who leaped into the breach and saved georgie warren from a, a, an electrocutive finish court's metaphors might be mixed but his vocabulary seldom lacked originality. Tompkins merely shrugged his shoulders and frowned a bit. "'Is it likely?' he asked, with a touch of bitterness. "'Even if I'd had the chance, I'm too thick to... rot!' cut in court swiftly. As they went up the steps, he flung an arm impulsively around the other's shoulders. Don't you worry about anything Ranny Phelps says. Nobody ever pays any attention to him anyhow. I do wish I knew who that plucky chap was, though. It was a corking thing to do. You haven't heard anyone say, have you, Tommy?" Tomkins hesitated an instant, an odd indecision in his face. A few minutes ago he might have found a boyish pride and pleasure in his friend's surprise at learning his part in the affair. Now he merely shook his head. Those I've heard talking about it didn't seem to know, he returned shortly. Hmm. Well, I guess I'll have to start my mighty brain working and do the Sherlock Holmes stunt, decided Court philosophically. Say, won't Jimmy be crazy, though? To be away at school with all this happening to his own family. I can just see him squirm." As they entered the coat room, his volatile mind leaped to another topic. "'There's one good thing, old Top. You can come out for the troop team now. That'll be great. Don't forget, there's practice right after school this aft!' Dale slapped his cap on a hook and turned away. I'm not coming out, he said gruffly, making for the door. Court's eyes widened. Not coming out for football, he repeated amazedly. No. Why not, for goodness sake? I don't want to, was the almost ungracious retort. Cort sniffed incredulously. Tell that to your grandmother. Haven't I seen you play often enough to know better? wait a second at the entrance of the coat-room he caught tompkins by the arm and whirling him around stared into his face if you think for a minute he went on with some heat that anybody you old idiot you make me sick with your silly notions i'll i'll settle you though with which cryptic and somewhat fragmentary comment he slapped dale briskly on the back and slipped into his seat leaving the other to seek his own place on the further side of the room unconsciously hardened a bit by his fellow's friendliness but a moment later his forehead wrinkled perplexedly court had a little habit of impulsively settling the affairs of nations offhand and his last remark seemed to indicate that something of the kind was in his mind at present Well whatever it is he won't get me to come out for the team decided tompkins his jaw squaring stubbornly they don't think i'm good enough for them and i'm not going to force myself where i'm not wanted those few words overheard just before had opened afresh the wound of the night before and confirmed dale's conviction that he was not wanted in troop five with the exception of one or two of the boys who had been friendly before he felt that the scouts agreed with ranny phelps in resenting his presence in the crack troop of hillsgrove because his father was a working man because he himself sold papers to eke out the family income because in short he was poor and had come to meetin in rather shabby clothes instead of a natty uniform they looked down on him as an interloper, who had no business to be there. He would merely be inviting further slights by appearing on the football field and trying for a position on the Troop 11. "'I can just see Sherman Ward's expression if I did,' he thought bitterly. "'He's the niftiest one of the lot, with his father owning the ironworks and about half the town besides.' He wouldn't waste much time on me, I guess. Taken all in all, Dale failed to pass either a pleasant or profitable morning. He tried to keep his mind on the lessons, but that wasn't easy. He had not yet decided whether or not to remain in the troop, and this question seemed so much more vital and important than arithmetic problems or dates in ancient history that his thoughts returned to it again and again. He hated the idea of staying where he wasn't wanted, and yet, to leave now would look as if he were a coward, afraid to face the jibes and sarcasms of the fellows who didn't like him. The end of the morning session found the problem still unsolved. Dale was a little slow putting his books away, and when he came to look for Parker, who usually walked home with him, court was nowhere to be seen. As he left the building, he noticed a bunch of high school boys from upstairs laughing and fooling on the corner. Ranny Phelps was among them, and several other members of Troop 5, and unconsciously the tenderfoot paused for an instant, and half turned as if to seek the other exit. A second later, his lips tightened, and a dull flush came into his cheeks. He never went home that way. Why should he take it now?" Swiftly he turned back, and with head high, in a desperate effort to look unconscious, he started briskly down the walk. He was within a dozen feet of the jolly group, when all at once there came a hail from behind. "'Hi, Dale!' Astonished, he turned at the call, to see Sherman Ward coming down the school steps. For a moment, it seemed as if he must have been mistaken, but the older chap quickly settled that doubt. "'Wait a minute, kid,' he went on. "'I want to talk to you.' In an instant, Dale's interest in the throng at the corner vanished. Surprised, curious, a little on the defensive, he watched the approach of the senior patrol leader. "'I forgot to speak to you last night about football,' Sherman began at once with brisk, casual friendliness. "'You play, don't you?' Uh, "'A little,' stammered Dale, dazed by the absence of what he had so fully expected in the other's manner. "'What position?' "'Er, tackle and, and half-back uh, sometimes.' "'You ought to be a pretty good back if you've got speed,' mused the older chap his glance appreciatively taking in the boys' sturdy build and good shoulders. This season's well along, and the team's made up, but we need more weight. Troop 1's the only team we're afraid of, but we've simply got to lick them and nab the pennant. I'll try you out this afternoon. Practice at 3.30 sharp in the field back of my place. We'll go right over from school. You go this way, don't you? The throng at the corner had broken up, and the two were practically alone. Dale nodded and mechanically fell into step. He had been steeling himself for something so very different that in a second his defenses were swept entirely away. Ward's perfect assurance of his readiness to play made even hesitation seem the action of a selfish cad unwilling to do his best for the troop. Besides. Dale did not want to refuse now. "'How is it you never thought of being a scout before?' asked Ward, as they cut across corners toward Main Street. "'Wasn't there any troop where you came from?' Dale shook his head. "'No, and after we got here, Father didn't want me to join. He—he he didn't seem to understand about it, and so—' He paused. Ward nodded comprehendingly. Sometimes they don't, he said. Well, it's all right now. You're in. And you don't look like a chap who'd stay a tenderfoot long, especially with a scoutmaster like Mr. Curtis. He's a corker, all right, and does everything to help a fellow along. I shouldn't wonder if you'd be ready for second-class exams as soon as the month is up. Dale's eyes brightened. I'll certainly try him, anyhow. I can pass a lot of the tests now, I think, and I'm going to bone up on the others hard." "'That's the boy,' smiled Sherman. "'If I can help you in anything, let me know.' "'Well, this is my corner. So long. Don't forget, practice at 3.30 sharp.'" With a wave of his hand, he turned down Main Street leaving Dale to stare after him for a moment or two, an odd expression on his freckled face. Why, he's... he's not a bit... what I... he's just like... He ended with a deep-drawn breath and turned homeward, head high and shoulders squared. Somehow the blue of the sky seemed suddenly deeper, the sunshine brighter, than it had been before. The crisp, clean autumn air had a tang in it he had not noticed until this moment. He drew it into his lungs in great gulps, and his eyes sparkled. "'The pants'll do,' he murmured to himself. "'So will the jersey. I haven't any decent shoes, but I've played in sneakers before, and there'll be time to deliver the papers after five. End of chapter 3